What does the premise for a podcast do to the podcast? I think about this all the time. I think the number one reason a show fails is there either is no premise or the premise isn't developed enough. And usually that means it's too general. You know, I think about business shows as one specific domain where there's almost no premise. Talking topics with experts. Talking to successful people about success. There's really no premise development there. In other words, the idea is not focused. It's not pithy. It's not powerful enough. It's just the topics articulated. What's missing is the hook. A premise is the topics plus the hook. What you explore and also how you explore it. And the how has to be there. It's the unique point of view, belief, inspiration you're giving the world, angle through the topic, what have you. What you explore plus how you explore it gives the audience a reason why they should care. That's what a premise really does for a show. It gives people a reason to care. In other words, it gives them motivation to subscribe. And oh, by the way, as an awesome secondary benefit, it gives you a filter to make choices. Because if you know we're talking about this specific premise or we're exploring this premise over time, then big choices you make, like types of episodes you want to do or guests or stories you'd like to cover, and tiny choices that you make, like different questions you ask and when of your subjects, all your choices get easier and more focused because you have a premise. It's like a decision-making filter. So the premise has this lopsided effect on your show's success, which is why For the last eight years, I've been making shows, and also for the last one year of those eight, I've been developing some education around this idea, and I'm really excited today to announce the release of my first ever on-demand course about premise development. It's called Growable Shows, Developing Your Ideas into an Irresistible Premise Your Audience Loves and Shares. And I put together a landing page where you can see uh, a sample of the course and a video from me talking about what's inside. The whole point here, just like it is on three clips, is to not teach you how to make a show, but learn how to make a difference. That's what we're all trying to do out here is learn how to make a difference. And the premise is where it all begins and all the content flows through that premise. It is so, so important to develop your premise. So you can check out the landing page, the curriculum, a sample, and all kinds of information for growable shows. And if you sign up in December, this course launches December 15th, 2020. If you purchase the course in December, not only will you get access to the content in the course, you'll also get access to me. We're going to do a live call with the group that buys this in December, in January, talking about show development as a group led by me. So if you like that idea, if you like anything I've said to you so far, check your show notes for a link Or you can head over to my Twitter handle. I'll keep it up through the end of December. But on my Twitter handle, the pinned tweet has a link right to the course. I'm at Jay Acunzo on Twitter. Love to answer questions. Love to see you in the course. Again, it is not live. It is on demand, fully recorded. You can take it whenever you want. There's three different modules to help you arrive at a great premise for your show. But if you buy it in December, there is a live component, a call with me and anybody else who bought it in December to chat through this craft. No matter what you do, if you take this course or not, Just be sure you develop your premise. Spend an inordinate amount of time on it because it has an inordinate amount of impact on your show's success and your ability to lead the community. Okay, let's get into today's episode. I think people who learn by doing have a big advantage when it comes to production work, like creating a podcast or writing, creating anything, really, building products. Creativity is practice. It's just 
repetition plus reinvention played out over the long arc of time. You do something, then you do it better again and again and again. As my favorite cartoon character or one of Jake the dog from Adventure Time, as he once said, sucking at something is the first step in being kind of good at something. So that's what we're up against. And that can lead to a lot of imposter syndrome. And nowhere does my own version of imposter syndrome flare up than when I talk to somebody who has been formally trained in podcasting. Because I am self-taught. And I'm very grateful that that's how I chose to learn this craft. Because I made a ton of mistakes, but I also built up resilience and muscle memory. I tried a lot. I learned a lot. I've built a lot. Just trying stuff, making stuff over time. No gatekeeper in my path. I think I've made something like 600 different episodes of shows across different themes, topics, genres, mediums, you name it. Today's guest is not classically trained. She's also self-taught. We're going to talk to Kristen LaFrance, who is the head of resilient retail at the tech giant Shopify. And as she joined this giant organization, her biggest platform she's ever had as a person to date, she was handed the reins of this brand new show and told to make it special. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how when the stakes get high, how do you keep pushing forward, even if you don't have all these formal bits of training behind you, or even if you do, and you're still like, ah, I got this massive audience, or ah, the stakes are high, or ah, I can't stop saying, ah, what do I do? We're going to talk about that bumpy but fun road of being self-taught, trying to figure things out through making mistakes, and then and then getting a platform where you can't actually make those mistakes without the press noticing. We're going to talk about the importance of being honest with the guest about what you want from them in the conversation as a way to help them be comfortable, not put them on the spot. And we're going to talk about the importance of being authentically you, even when it's a performance, not actually authentic. Yeah, there's a lot of mess and nuance here, but hey, it wouldn't be an episode of Three Clips without all that. I want to know how to do the things to do. A thing, a two, a three that only comes from you. Hey, and welcome to Three Clips, where podcasters take us inside their best work. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I have this weird belief, but I have a sneaking suspicion I'm not alone. I believe that creativity does not mean big. Instead, it's the sum total of all these tiny techniques, micro moments, and the refreshing wrinkles that creative people inject onto the status quo. So every single episode, we are going to take those hidden things and put them on display as we talk to a podcaster that we admire about something that they created. And we're going to do so a few little pieces at a time. Again, today we're going to talk to Kristen LaFrance, the show host and the head of Resilient Retail. And we're going to get into a little bit of why she's calling it the head of Resilient Retail, not just the host of Resilient Retail in a bit. She does work for a tech platform company, after all, in Shopify. And she's going to reveal some of the small stuff that makes a big difference on her show. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Wistia. In 2012, I began a years-long relationship with the wonderful group of humans that works for that company. They make software to help you find, engage, and grow your audience using video and through making shows. And I've talked to countless numbers of that team and consider many of them friends and mentors, and we all agree on one core belief. When you build a brand, focus your marketing on making stuff people like, not 
making people like stuff. Fast forward to today, and Wistia has named that idea, brand affinity marketing. I've said it before, I'll say it a million times more, great marketing is not about grabbing attention, it's about holding it. It's not about who arrives, it's about who stays. Awareness is not the goal, affinity is. So if you agree, check out Wistia's Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook. This thing is totally free, you don't have to fill out any kind of form, and honestly, it's just beautifully designed. The playbook talks about stuff like finding and understanding your niche, creating original series that resonate, marketing like a media company, and measuring resonance over reach. I could not love that part more. So visit wistia.com, that's W-I-S-T-I-A.com, to explore their great resources about building better brands. And while you're there, check out the Brand Affinity Marketing Playbook. Okay, let's get into the conversation with Kristen LaFrance of Shopify. So Kristen, you and I have this same entry into podcasting, which is completely DIY, right? Just hacking it together, feeling our way forward through you know differing types of shows. But as a DIY podcaster, what's the thing that you feel like you're just frustrated to no end on every single time? Because for me, it's it's always technical. It's always technical. Yeah. It is it is nothing but the software or the mic showing up and just deciding like, oh, today I'm just gonna drop off. Or my guest having headphones and still getting an audio echo for some, I don't even know how it happens sometimes. Uh, day in and day out, it is the technical issues. Uh, this season of Resilient Retail has really, the tech has been very 2020 for me. What's the worst cold sweats moment the tech has ever given you? I'll share mine after. Ooh, I had one interview. So we video all of our interviews and we pull really high quality video. Like I have the same DSLR camera Toby uses. Like uh, we have invested in the video side of this. Oh, Toby, your, your CEO at Shopify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Toby, not my dog Toby. Um, I was in this interview and, you know, we're recording and everything. And my camera just like, just shuts off. Like it just shuts off and goes to that like super ugly neon, like no signal sign. And so then I'm like, holy crap. And I just kind of like the guy paused for a second. I was like, just keep going. Like, just keep talking. Luckily our videos kind of edit where we can like put, you know, it's side by side. And then when the guest is talking, it goes full screen on them. But I had to like run out while he was talking, grab my camera charger. Cause I guess the battery was quote exhausted, which is what my camera says. And so I had to like, I was rearranging cords in my office. Like both my husband and I work in this office. So we have a ton of things plugged in. So I had to like unplug a monitor and do all this while he's talking. And then I was basically for the rest of the interview, like I would turn the camera on when it had enough charge for like a minute or two when I would ask a question. And then when he'd talk, I'd turn it back off. And it was just this like total puzzle of doing it live while trying to make it in the right timing. Um, it worked out, yeah. but that was a uh, that was a super sweaty interview for sure. <laughs> I, I do love the DIY stuff more than I dislike it. Although, like, I have more gray hairs because of it. But part <laughs> oh, of yes, being me too. Yeah, part of being DIY, I feel like, is you have a pride in being DIY because if yeah. you didn't, you would just fade away. You would just wither, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you couldn't handle it anymore. So yeah. my my like horrific cold sweats moment was I had convinced my so so the first two shows I ever made were for other companies. And then Mm -hmm. I made my first show for me, which was Unthinkable, um, which some people listening have have heard before. So my first show was three episodes for a nonprofit. A friend of mine worked there and I was like, you should do a podcast and I should make it for you. 
having no experience. Of course. Um, but he left the company before I had a chance to really do many. So I did three. But then I used that to sell in the idea to this venture capital firm that I worked for that they should let me do a podcast on behalf of our brand. So the stakes got way higher. Mm-hmm. And I do have a question for you, Kristen, about the stakes getting higher in a second. But <laughs> that just happened to you in your career. So yes. I'm fascinated by that. But before we get there, I convinced them. I sold in my three bosses, the partners of this VC, which, you know, very accomplished tech entrepreneurs turned mm-hmm. investors, all very smart, very opinionated people sold in this idea to three bosses, got the green light. The first episode was basically a favor we called in from one of the CEOs that we'd invested in at a company that was having some success at the time. Mm-hmm. And we recorded for an hour and a half. You know, I'm fumbling my way through all the setups live and in person at this guy's <laughs> office. One of my bosses came along for the ride. Oh, man. As I go to edit it afterwards, I don't know what I did. I still don't. But I closed down GarageBand. And when I reopened it, all the containers of the audio of this person's voice were empty. Oh, they, no. So the waveform was gone. But you still had this like colorful container around it as, yeah. if, as if the podcast gods were taunting me. So I spent like hours on Apple forums and I, I, I don't remember how, but I did get it back. But for wow. a solid three days, I was like, this is oh, the yeah. lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. This is the end. This is the yep. end of everything. I'm, yeah. I'm done on this front before I get started. Yeah. Is yeah. Kind of how I felt. Yeah. Um, so if that's you, if you're listening and you're like, I hear that, keep going. Uh, yes. The, the day before the first recording of Resilient Retail, which like talk about stakes was day one, first episode ever is Harley Finkelstein. Hey, I'm, I'm just going to cut in here as a voiceover guy. Harley Finkelstein is the president of Shopify. Um, Kristen mentions Harley a few times. So I just wanted you to know he is like the big boss and uh, is a skip level, as they say in the corporate world. He's not Kristen's direct manager. He's pretty high up the food chain as the president. All right, just wanted to add that bit of context and we're back in. We are trying to find a platform still to record. Like we did some test calls and the platform just didn't work. It just didn't record anything or like the audio was terrible. So we are the day before that episode and this is Shopify. Like we know what we're doing and still panicking. Uh, just I think that's just the way podcasting goes sometimes. So yeah, if you're in that situation, you got it. You'll get through it. <laughs> I mentioned the stakes really went up for you, Kristen. Mm-hmm. You went from a startup, which, you know, great company, you're working hard for them. But uh, let's be honest, the startup has very low stakes because not a ton of people are paying attention to it yet. Yeah. You went to Shopify, mm-hmm. one of the largest, most successful tech companies right now, a company that has this massive, passionate audience. And yeah. So the stakes went up a little bit for you as a, as a public just, voice. Just a, t- just a titch. Yeah, we went yeah. up a little bit. <laughs> what was that like? How did that happen? Yeah, so that was... Uh... It was such a crazy thing because like you mentioned, I was, I was hosting a podcast. It was doing really well, but you know, our, our audience size wasn't massive. The solution we were selling is a very niche solution to niche people. At that um, startup. Yeah. At Churnbuster. Yeah. And, and then you go over to Shopify and it's like, oh, you have the entire world and arm and muscle and people behind Shopify now boosting you up. Like I had to come to terms with the expectation that, you know, the first podcast I ever dropped day one, I think we got like 500 downloads with Shopify. You're looking at like 2000 on day one. And it's just like, oh, there are there are 2000 people who have now heard my voice. And then also, you know, Resilient Retail was kind of an idea in the works before I got to Shopify. It was going to be this live event series. Uh, they had started marketing it. They had started planning it. 
And then I was basically brought into like, all right, this is a good idea, but it's not the full thing yet. You need to like, we need to blow this into a show or something much bigger than it is. And also with that came, uh, Harley was supposed to be the host of Resilient Retail. And on my, you know, I, I go through my three days of onboarding, I get there. And the first thing my lead tells me is, congrats, like you've officially taken over Resilient Retail from Harley. And that was just one of those moments of like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, um, that's fine. I'll just, yeah, I'll just replace Harley Finkelstein. I'm fine. It's great. But it worked out amazing, obviously. But yeah, sticks, sticks changed a little bit. Uh, so it's been fun. Give me the one thing you tell somebody who's also facing down a fear like that. The stakes got higher and they feel a little crippled. Give me, is there one thing? I know there's a million yeah. things, but is there one thing you'd be like, all right, here's the hope you can cling to. Yeah. I always come back to, and you know, even my my husband wrote a note on my computer the day that I interviewed Harley that just said, they hired you to be you. Like you were hired for a role to be yourself and they, you know, wanted you in this position. There are people who have obviously trusted you to, to be put in a position where the stakes are now higher. Just try to hold on to that. Hold on to who you are as a personality, as an expert, how you conduct yourself on your show. That's what the stakes are looking for. And it really just comes down to staying true to yourself and not letting those stakes kind of alter how you do your show. Because you were hired to be you. Um, It's a hard thing to remember, but put a post-it note on your computer and look at it every day. I promise it helps. So Kristen, you know this, and some people listening do as well, but let's just make it clear. When you make a show, the point isn't to make some content. The point is to make something that matters. It just happens to be audio if you're a podcaster. And that means developing your premise. So for a podcaster, the premise informs every choice that you make from the big stories and people that you profile to the tiniest moments of telling others what the show is all about and why they should care. For a listener, the premise is why they should care. It provides motivation to subscribe. And by the way, subscribing, and Kristen, maybe you'd agree to this, given everything we've wrapped about so far, subscribing doesn't mean like clicking a button. It means aligning with shared beliefs. And I feel like resilient retail really does promote, push for, and amplify shared beliefs, which we want to dive into. Um, So again, it's about aligning with that shared belief or the journey the host is trying to take you on. The premise is what your show is all about, and it's why a listener would be all about your show. It provides motivation to subscribe. So let's play a clip that we think conveys the premise of today's featured show. So this clip actually comes from uh, an earlier episode where you interviewed the founder and CEO of an apparel company called Lively, Michelle Cordero Grant. And this clip comes uh, at around 2.17 into your episode, Kristen, which I know you exactly remember. Yeah, of course. That moment. I I have the script ready in my Mm -hmm. head. I could just read it to you now if you want. (laughs) Uh, this is actually like the first real question of the conversation that we pulled. Um, it's after you ask the introduction, like, who are you type questions. So this is kind of like getting into the meat of it. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I love that you started that answer with lively. Isn't just a brand. It's actually a community that then happens to sell products to that community. And I think that's so beautiful. What was kind of your, your reason for starting fully online? And then what was the journey to actually entering retail? It's, kind of a new trend, I think, for D2C companies to do the brick and mortar move. And you were kind of on the front end of that. So I'm curious how you guys went from online only to then actually entering retail, both in wholesale and you own your own stores in different locations. Yeah, sure. So, you know, 
I always think about barriers to entry and and risk analysis. And when you're starting a brand, um, you really want to ensure that you have love organically. And the broadest net that I could cast was digital. And so at the time you could, um, and still can launch a website for a very easy way on Shopify. It was $199 a month. When I started, everything was turnkey. I didn't have to have a developing, um, a developer team, et cetera. It was just me and two other people. So it was the easiest barrier for us to cross to really test out the thesis of the brand lively and get a really wide net. Um, in terms of a response from women across the United States and the world. Um, Digitally also, I love data. Um, And so I could really understand the heartbeat of the brand. And when we had a lot of traffic, you know, what was driving that heartbeat to race and when traffic was declining, what was pulling it back. Um, And also where was, you know, everyone coming from and so forth. So digitally, you could really create key performance indicators quite quickly and track them and get very clean trend lines. So Kristen, when you hear your question and also the answer, what's going through your mind? Yeah. Um, Michelle is such an amazing guest for one. And I, I like to call it like almost the podcaster trap. Sometimes you kind of know where a guest is going to go with an answer. So you set them up to fall right, right where you want them. And Michelle like, played that game with me so well, where, you know, the, the core audience of the show the people who we really want to be helping are the local retail businesses who have probably never done e-commerce before. They've been forced online. They're having to figure out, you know, you and I both know e-commerce is a massive game and it's there's so many things you can do. There's just this, I, I feel for them so hard on how difficult that might be. And what Michelle gave in that answer, which is what I teeter up to do, was to basically give those people right away, right off the bat of an interview that even though this is a huge brand, they were built online and they were built from like grassroots day one. And then she really talks about the benefit of the digital side and and why it's so helpful to have an e-commerce side of your business. And the goal was just right off the bat to make it relatable for those retailers who might not know what Lively is, might not even know really what D to C means and what this whole world is by saying, Even though she's very aspirational, she started right where you are right now and she built it from that point. And that was like, that was the key of that interview was to really turn Michelle into someone that, you know, Bob down the street with a local liquor store could understand and relate to. Yeah. And, you know, we're in the section talking about your show's premise. So I think that that clip and the way, like you said, you sort of teed up that answer and she played into it perfectly. That really brings out the premise. I want to talk directly to the idea of the show, to the premise, and then talk quickly about the guests that you select, including Michelle here, that kind of bring out the premise. They're meant to embody something about it and help you explore it. So the name of the show is Resilient Retail. What, you know, was it pandemic related? Or if not, you know, either way, why resilient retail? Why is Mm -hmm. that the concept? Yeah, it it was kind of like a clashing of, oh, sorry, I just bumped my microphone like a real, real professional podcaster. <laughs> Leave it uh, in. Leave it in. <laughs> Leave it in. It was kind of a collision of different timelines happening. So Resilient Retail had already been an idea by Shopify, like I mentioned before I joined the team. They had named it. They had branded it. It was very Shopify branded. And that came out of the pandemic. You saw that Shopify, you know, pretty early in the pandemic actually released an entirely new point of sale system and made it free for people to get on until October. And that was a decision that was made, you know, 
even if the tech wasn't 110% perfect, they realized people need this now because they need a system that allows their business to work online and in store because for most of the nation, the stores were closed completely for at least a couple of months. So, and so, so it was pan- pandemic inspired, certainly. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. What, what even is resilience, though? I mean, like, it's a, it's a nebulous topic, right? And it like- is. It is. And it is, you know, a question I ask every single guest is, what does resilience mean to you? Because it also is a very personal thing. What we saw in the pandemic and through the pandemic, especially with local retailers and their communities, was this idea of resilience that no matter how many times they got hit by news, by their closures, by all this, they just kept finding ways to adjust to the new normal and to tinker around with their business in order to stay open and survive. So this idea of resiliency came out of seeing that happen. The worst possible thing that could happen to a brick and mortar store would be to have to close your doors. And that's what happened in 2020. And yes, we saw a lot of people who went through closures and bankruptcies. And there are those stories that are very important to tell. And, you know, they're, they're heart wrenching. But then there are these resilient retailers who just refuse to give up. And they just said, all right, this is, this is the new normal. This is what we got to do. We got to get online. We got to start talking to our customers like this. Let's test it. Let's go. Let's get creative and keep moving forward. And that is really the heart of the show. Let's talk about the the, the, the guests and the way you select them and, and the way you interview them, because obviously you're trying to explore that idea of being mm-hmm. resilient. There's another version of the show, by the way. Well, there's probably two versions of the show that could exist very easily. So one is Shopify is a massive brand. Massive brands have a tendency to you know work with agencies or at least like look for massive plays. Like we need a big audience here. So they stop niching down and they say, we're going to talk to the biggest name retailers right, to attract the biggest audiences. And, and mm-hmm. you're not doing that. On the other end of the spectrum, it could be talking to these unknowns or these entrepreneurial types, giving them a platform, which is wonderful. But ultimately, every single time you talk to them, it's just, how are you great? Thanks Mm -hmm. for telling us. Next guest. How are you great? Thanks for telling us. Next guest. So how do you use this idea of resilience to actually like select the right guests and then shape the interview? Yeah. So with resilience naturally comes an imperfection. You can't have resilience without having things that go wrong. So having just a purely, oh, we're doing great. Oh, we have all these sales. Oh, we are this VC funded D2C store uh, that opened retail and is doing fantastic because we are fantastic and we have all the money in the world. Those stories are, are great. My show is not necessarily always the place for it. Always coming back to who is the person who's listening and how is this impacting their life? What environment are they listening in? What do they need to walk away from this episode with? That is how I've I've chosen all of my guests. So what you'll find is this very, you know, I think unique combination of, you know, we have Harley Finkelstein, we have Michelle from Lively, we have Brian Berger, the founder of Mac Weldon. We have these kind of really big well-named brands, but we are then also balancing them with you know, the real heart stories of local stores. We dropped five episodes on launch day. And the fifth one, which actually ended up being the most listened to, was uh, Steph Laposta. She works full-time at Shopify. Her and her partner have a tiny little retailer in Toronto. And it was it was honestly like the most moving episode I had been in because there's this moment where she's like, you know, she's like, yeah, if things, if we have another closure, like we're going to be looking at, do we close our doors? And as you hear her walking through this emotion, she immediately flips and just goes, but that's not going to happen. That can't happen. We've worked too hard for that to happen. So it won't happen. 
And it was just that like, these are the stories that people need to hear is the real, the person next door who also is a boutique shop owner is going through this and they found something creative and here's a way for you guys to connect and learn from each other. That being said, like I mentioned, there are the bigger, bigger people there as well, because you want to balance it too with, there needs to be some aspiration. There needs to be, you know, how are the people who are succeeding at a massive level thinking about things? And so a lot of those interviews are more about how do those people think and approach problems versus how good are they doing? Because that's not very helpful. Last question on the guest selection and guest process, because actually I have two more questions. So as you try to explore this idea of resilience, number one is I'm sure you have like questions or subtopics that start to come to mind the more you talk to these people. Are you letting those lead and then matching a guest to the question or topic? Or are you starting with like just finding interesting guests? Or is it a blend? It's a little bit of a blend um, because there are guests who, you know, I just had Great Lakes Brewery come on and they have this incredible story and it started with, you know, they had 15,000 gallons of beer sitting that they couldn't do anything with because they had to close their doors. They pivoted to local delivery, are now doing better than they've ever done before. That was a story that was shared internally at Shopify. And then I kind of took that and said, all right, that's a resilient story right there. We got to we gotta dig into this. But then there's also a lot of people that we start with the person. Michelle's a good example of I started with her versus just about lively. And then as we converse, you know, of course I have prep questions, but I go way off of my kind of planned uh, format of the interview often because I think it's important that these conversations feel very authentic. Um, and I know that's such a marketing buzzy word. My my favorite review that we've gotten so far is it feels like I'm sitting at the dinner table with Kristen and somebody else. Well, that was my next question, actually, which is like, how do you ensure that these people you've never met before, when you do tee them up like you teed up Michelle, they connect? When you do want to have the dinner table chat, it does feel like, oh, I'm sitting with a friend or a family member. You know, I'm, I'm, Kristen's a buddy and I get to like relax and, and chit chat a little bit. Like business shows tend to be stuffy and stiff. So how do you make sure early on or maybe even before you start that um, the situation feels a little more comfortable than that? Yeah. So every guest I have, you know, a 15, 20 minute pre-call. It's always on video. But, you know, I, I I look like, you know, I'm in my studio. I'm, I'm not dressed up in a blazer. I don't have some crazy camera or anything. And that one, I just call them an energy check. Uh, it's just, let's, let's talk. I'm going to tell you about the show. I'm going to tell you what to expect. But really what I'm trying to gauge is, will you go back and forth with me? And if I'm kind of goofy about it, are you going to come back at me? Or are you going to be very like standard and I have my script and and this is how I'm going to talk. And these are the only stories I can tell. So that is one where I get a really good read on what the interview is going to be like based on that call. So there's already that kind of relationship that's made. Also, you know, every email they get, the introduction they get, uh, the conversation they get, it's all coming through me. We would have, we're Shopify, we would have the resources to go through, have have an assistant do all of the scheduling and everything. But especially with season one, I really thought that it was important that there's this relationship that the listeners get also with me. And the only way to do that is to make sure the guests and I have a relationship and they trust me and they trust that I'm going to take them down a good path on this interview. So I think there's a lot of, you know, that, that upfront work. And then, you know, when they hop on for the interview the day of, we're not recording right away. Usually I'm like running around trying to grab my coffee or my camera's not working. And I'm like, 
ah, F this, ah, shoot, why is this working? Um, you know, I don't try to cover up that stuff that's going on because then they immediately are like, oh, okay, like she's a professional, but she's also a human being. You know, we have a little conversation. I ask them, is there anything you really want to talk about today? Is there anything you don't want to talk about today? Like I said earlier, I, I always tell them, this is your show and your time and your platform. This is not my platform. This is yours. My job is to follow you, is to just hang on with you. So go wherever you want to. And if you get super sidetracked, that's okay. My job is to bring you back, not your job. So don't worry about what you're saying. I think that tends to relax people a lot, knowing that just they can blab on for whatever and they can trust that I will get the best out of them. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I love think, that. I feel yeah. like so many hosts are unwilling to, hosts or producers are unwilling to sort of acknowledge what everybody understands, which is like, hey, we're about to record some stuff into a microphone for a show. This is not natural. Like you, you saying like, this is my job. I am performing a job here. This is the show, mm -hmm. right? Some people say like, this is the audience or this is what I'm looking for. Maybe tell some stories. Don't just wax eloquent about the generalities. Like yeah. actually letting them in on the joke because they they know it's there. They yeah. know it's not you actually sitting down over dinner or coffee or drink. Yeah. Like they know you're not just catching up. There's something in front of them recording them. And if not, they're just aware. Oh, wow. Some people are going to hear this. Yeah. So that changes things. Like the context is different. And I think... It's so bizarre to me how many shows I've appeared on uh, as a guest. I've, I appear on very many shows as a mm -hmm. guest. I don't know if yes. you knew that. Very important. <laughs> we We're going to leave that in, but I, my, my brain is screaming. Cut that out. Anyways, <laughs> it's amazing to me, having been a guest once in a while on two shows before, I, I, uh, <laughs> how many hosts are not like, so this is what we do on the show. It is a show. I'm going to acknowledge it's a show yeah. and all the details therein to prepare you to be great on the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. It's um, so simple. Speaking of great shows, let's move on to our next section. So Resilient Retail has a great premise, and a great premise is a great start. After all, once people subscribe, which is the goal of the premise, once people subscribe, you also want them to stay. And that is what a show is for after all. It's not about who arrives. It's about who stays. So there's this golden rule of podcasting. Kristen, how paranoid are you every time that you run an episode? The, the golden rule of podcasting gets away from me all the time. Ready? Get them to the end. Mm -hmm. Will people actually endure me and my guest for this long? <laughs> yes. Get them to the end. Because once they hit play, obviously, you want to make sure they don't hit stop. Uh, so if the premise provides motivation to subscribe, then what provides motivation to stay? The experience. The experience, the format, the structure, the hidden creative choices that I know you're making all the time, Kristen, live before and after you're live. Um, so what makes your show a great experience? How does any of us as a host, how do you get listeners to the end? Well, let's listen to a clip where I think you're doing that. In this clip, uh, this comes at around 35 minutes, 36 minutes in with Michelle, just about five minutes before the end of the episode. This is your third of three questions that are specific to the 2020 holiday retail rush. So let's hear this clip. For us, we're going into this holiday season very open-minded and flexible. But the biggest thing that we're going to be uh, bullish on is customer service and operations because you got to be ready for it this year. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And there's, there's so many new kind of ways that you can shop to, like you're saying, thinking about your store, not just as an experience, but also kind of a warehouse. And then if you're a local business, you can do things like um, shop and ship where if somebody comes into your store, 
they can actually just buy a gift and ship it right to the person they want to give it to instead of having to do the multiple channel points and then order it online and hope it gets there in time um, and hope that you know your mom doesn't accidentally open it before Christmas, which my mom does every single year. Um, also things like curbside pickup and local delivery, like you're saying, there's all these new ways to kind of adjust to the holiday sales season this year. And I yeah. love the the kind of final theme of being flexible, focusing on operations, but then we all kind of have to go in right now with a little bit of like open arms and say, okay, whatever comes, we trust our brand and we trust our customers to be able to adjust with us. And I think, I think that's the strongest point that we've kind of pulled out of this whole conversation and what I think is a theme throughout your entire brand. And you as a leader of the brand, you seem so committed to this idea of, you know, small shifts in the right direction versus kind of panicking and undoing a bunch of stuff that you've already done before. 100%. I would say my worst work comes when I'm in a panic. <laughs> so in that response, you're kind of like giving some reflection to and stories around what you just heard from the guest. And then you're telling your listener, even though you're telling your guest, but by proxy, you're telling the listener, okay, that and that and that and that and that. So Kristen, why do that? Yeah, it is uh, very purposeful that that is done. I think a lot of there's there's a thousand and one, a million and one interview style podcasts out there. So there has to be something different than me sitting there with questions and just hearing an answer and then asking the next question. That's how I make it a conversation. That is how I make the guests more comfortable is if you're going to share something, I'm also going to share something and we're going to have this give and take. But even more importantly, a lot of what I'm doing is listening for things that the guests might be saying that are really important that they've kind of touched on multiple times that maybe the audience member is not going to catch because they're not listening the same way I am. They're not listening for single tactics, uh, but I want them to walk away from each episode with something that they can hold on to that can change their business, that can change the way they think about something tomorrow. And so I'm always listening for those, those themes in an episode. And then also themes in the entire season, um, which talk about getting people to the end. I'm also trying to get them to the next episode. So if I can start building an arc within the season as well, they're going to start understanding, okay, there's things we're going to listen to. There's things to look for. And so it's really about taking something that somebody said for me and pulling it out and almost just regurgitating it in a way that I know the audience will understand better. So, you know, there are a lot of D to C people who might come on who say things like, you know, the CAC is really high on this or our LTV is this or this or this. And, you know, just a local store owner might not know what all of that means. So I have to take the time to make sure that we're serving them the right stuff, which is that's my job, not the, not the guest job to do that. It's my job to fish out what the right stuff is and just pull it out and say, let me tie a bow on everything she just talked about for two minutes right. and give it to you as a present. So now you can walk away with something that feels a lot more tangible. Beautifully said. And I also like how I can kind of visualize some of our listeners who are not from maybe even the business world, but certainly not from retail. Their eyes are glazing over when you say D to C, CAC, mm -hmm. LTV. Uh, for, the, for the uninitiated, and this is kind of similar to what you did with your guest. I'm kind of doing it for, for our listeners too. D to C, direct to consumer. Uh, you know, like you're, you're a retailer that you're not going through the big box store. You're going directly to the consumer CAC cost of customer acquisition and mm -hmm. LTV lifetime value of that customer. So, but for the initiated, which is your listeners, you don't define those things, which is great. Yeah. Like you, you seem to understand. And it is such a 
nuanced, delicate thing that I don't know how you teach it. If, if not, you just have to thrust a host into the community and be like, mm-hmm. go participate in the community to sort of like learn through osmosis. There's not like a single yeah. technique I can give anyone to do what you just did, which was I know where I need to just have the jargon, be an insider, not explain things and where I need to pluck it back out from a dense answer and yeah. highlight it. Or like you said, wrap it with a nice bow so they have that gift. One other thing I'm pulling out there is this ability you have to expose your thinking to the guest a little bit. Like you are summarizing and signposting so people don't miss stuff, but you're also making some assumptions and sharing some stories and opinions. Mm-hmm. And what's great about that is by laying it all on the table, the guest might say, you know, that reminds me. And then they give you a story or insight that they hadn't previously thought of giving that maybe you didn't even know the right question to arrive at. Or on the flip side, and this is where it takes some vulnerability on your part or any host's part, they might say, actually, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I don't quite agree with this little point over here. Let's revisit that. And that's great because A, conflict is more entertaining than Mm -hmm. everybody saying, that's awesome. I agree with the panelists to my left. Anyways, the conflict is good tape, but it also forces you to examine a problem from different angles. Make sure you're being well-rounded about it and not just saying like, it's this way period. And it's too simplified. So I like that you're willing to sort of like, let me lay it out there for you, poke at it as you will. And Mm -hmm. it seems to me that, and I want to put two and two together, what we talked about in the first section about you priming the guest and setting the right sort of environment up for them allows them to feel confident enough to come back and say, Oh, I get it. She, I'm in on the joke and I can respond. I don't need to wait for her to ask me some pithy question. Yeah. And those are my favorite moments because that is when we are off anybody's script. Uh, There is an issue with especially kind of bigger names where people have been on a lot of podcasts. They're prepped. They, They have been prepped by PR, which is great, but they have kind of boilerplate answers to a lot of things. And so a lot of what I'm doing is how can I throw them off in a very exciting way where it gets them engaged to have more of a conversation? And so that is where I'm just saying, you know, okay, here's what I think about what you said. Here's what I'm getting from what you said. And a lot of times you don't even have to lay a question out there. You just go on a little bit of a tangent about it and then they'll come back. And then that's when you start getting that back and forth energy. And that's when it starts feeling like a dynamic conversation that is worth listening to because it's not just the static question, answer, question, answer. Right. The role of a host is to ensure you're getting something original from your guest to guide the listener through this exploration of your premise. And what plagues a lot of shows is they don't have number one, they don't have a premise. But number two is they do kind of let the guest run wild with uh, what a friend of mine, Ron Tite, calls uh, their pitch slaps, right? Yes. It's like, I have my boilerplate answers, I have my pitch for the book or for my business mm-hmm. or for my idea or whatever, and I'm just going to give you that soundbite. And the more the guest is on the circuit, so to speak, the more they have those at the ready. So question to you, Kristen. I love this topic so much, so (laughs) much. A guest says, hey, can you send questions ahead of time? Or their PR rep or their in-house marketer. Can you send questions ahead of time? Mm -hmm. And you say. So what I do, I have a very (laughs) unique way of building interviews that's kind of come out of this season. I've always kind of done them the same way. I'm trying to think of an arc. So like, what is the hook? How do I get them to that moment? Then how do we wrap it? How do we come back down from kind of that that high moment of the interview? Now, I don't know how I developed this, but now I build all of my interviews as sandwiches. It's just become this weird little tick that I do. 
And so, you know, I, I'm researching and I just copy and paste and I dump a bunch of stuff onto a document. And then I'm reading through it and I'm like, okay, what is the, what is the meat of this interview? What is the thing that's going to turn into the title? And so then I label that as the meat um, of the interview. And then, you know, the bread on both sides, I know what they are. It's, you know, an introduction, get to know each other, get the energy going, tell us about your brand. And then the other bread is the final question of what does resilience mean to you? That's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so then my job is how do you make, you know, the cheese before the meat? How do you get them into that? Then after that meat, what's the lettuce and tomato? What's what's the spicy mayo that's like the little thing at the end that's going to be super exciting? So, but do you send these questions ahead of time then? So I have never sent a full list of questions. I will send people, here are the topics that I think that we should talk about. Yes. The only question I will send if they ask is the, what does resilience mean to you? Because that's a kind of floaty question that in, in live time, it can be like, oh, uh, what, like, what, I don't know. What is resilience? What does this word mean? But yeah, that's, that's all that I'll send because I don't want, I don't want scripted answers. Another important thing is the third and final clip and the third and final section with a clip, uh, which is to somehow highlight how you do such a great job of deepening your relationship with your audience. So let's move into that section now. Um, Resilient Retail has a great premise and it's intentionally created to be a great experience because that's what you do, Kristen. It's very clear. You motivate people to subscribe and you get them to stay. But once a listener subscribes, and once a listener stays, it's exhausting, but your work is not done. Uh, you have to earn their trust and love over time. That's how listeners become passionate fans and evangelists for our work. In other words, a great show isn't just a refreshing premise and a fun format. A great show makes choices to connect more deeply with the audience. If you're going to make someone's favorite show, for example, that doesn't mean you're like the number one ranked or the most academically sound. It means you feel personal to the listener. I mean, my, my favorite sports team across any league is the New York Knicks. Um, Kristen, I don't know. Do you follow basketball at all? Uh, not a lot, but I don't think that's a great team. There you go. So Kristen doesn't <laughs> follow basketball. She already knows the New York Knicks, the worst team. So really think about that. Yeah. The worst team in the cohort is also my favorite team. <laughs> so that's what we want for our shows. We don't want to be the worst show in our cohort, but we do want to be their favorite show such that we're like irreplaceable even if someone else comes along and says, you're listening to Resilient Retail, here's another retail-focused show, which is number one in the charts. And your listeners are going to go, I don't care. Kristen's mm -hmm. show is my favorite show. The irrational bias they have towards yeah. you is what we want. So here's a clip where I think you're trying to march towards that personal connection with your listeners. In this third and final clip, right around 19 minutes. So we started early. We went late in your episode. Now we're going right in the middle, 19 minutes in, right at the midway point. This clip comes after an ad about Resilient Retail and all the bonus content you do. Let's hear the clip. It's so cool to hear because I'm sure that there's so many brick and mortar owners. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, boutique that's three blocks from my house on the edge of downtown Colorado Springs, who has probably just depended on the foot traffic on that corner for so long. And now they're thinking about these omnichannel things. And it's probably just so overwhelming to think, how can I even start to transcend my brand and the experience I know I can provide in store online and yeah. to be able to hear like a tactical example of a learning from the store, because I, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own personal shopping habits. If I'm in the store, I'm most likely going to spend more money 
because you get that like you're right there and you're holding it and you're like oh it's, it's kind of out of my budget but i want to take it i want to wear it tonight and yes. to be able to take that learning and then create that experience online to where it still feels so special and it's staying true to the lively brand and the price point i think is for the audience like i'm hoping that they're taking away some hope from this of like all the work you've put into the experience in store is arguably one of the biggest assets for your online business. It's not the two channels fighting against each other. So this idea of kind of owning channels um, and, and there's, you know, if you're going into e-commerce, pretty much everyone's going to say like, go to Facebook, go to Google, run ads. Um, for someone who's never had to think about that before, that's pretty daunting and arguably maybe not even the right move for some of these like local businesses. So how do you suggest even figuring out like what channels can you own? And as you're entering into kind of this omni-channel, multiple different ways of shopping, how do you figure out, you know, is it email? Is it SMS? Is it social media? Is it ads? How does a store owner even begin to think through that? And how did you start thinking about how those all work together in an ecosystem? Kristen, I love these moments that you have that seem to just be you allowing yourself to talk about your own experience of life. I mean, it's so dangerous. Like early in my marketing career, for example, people were like, you are not your listener. You are not your reader. You are not the <laughs> customer. It's like beaten over my head. Yeah. So I like removed me. Mm -hmm. Tone of voice was gone. Personal anecdotes were gone. You seem to have no problem with that. Why? How? Is there a synapse that doesn't fire right in your brain? What's going on there? <laughs> I grew up with two older brothers. And so I've pretty much been very used to self deprecating humor my whole life. Uh, so I've always kind of had to have a, a thick skin on being made fun of. And it just has become now a thing where I, I, I realize that people want that true authenticity from the people they're looking up to or listening to or hearing from. If you're going to spend an hour of your time with me, I want to give you the whole me. And, and I think that's, you know, it comes in the nature of the show of resilience that, we have to talk about the dark to get to the light. I think it comes to my dedication to authenticity and and then really just my dedication to the listener that's listening. I'm I'm trying to put myself in their their footsteps, but at the same time I'm saying I don't know this for sure cuz I don't own a store, but I have the feeling that this is what someone is feeling like and you know, when I go into a store, this is the experience that I have. A lot of what we talk about on the show is making commerce human again, from online to in person. The strength of retail is that there's, you walk in, there's a human to human connection going on in a store. There's a real physical experience going on. And, you know, e-commerce people have been trying to recreate that online forever. And now you've got retail store owners trying to do this for the first time ever. You know, how do you take that magic that's in your store and get it online? And that comes down to, being a human, even online. And so if I'm asking people to do that with their business, I can't reasonably do it without doing it myself and saying, I'm a human being. This is my job, but I still mess up a lot. I say a lot of ums. Yeah, I'll walk into a Lululemon and spend $100 more than I plan to. Uh, I don't know who hasn't done that before. Um, I, I think it's only fair that I, I give them that if I'm going to ask them to do that. Okay, it's, it's time to mix things up. We're not going to have a clip for this section. We never do. We're going to talk about reinvention of your show, Kristen, because it's kind of like having a show is kind of like having that nagging relative. It's like, why don't you call more? 
right? It's like, you're always <laughs> yes. like, I got to get to the show. It's like all we can do to just get the show out the door sometimes yeah. and like call that person, so to speak. It's all we can do to just deliver consistently. But if we just stick to the same exact playbook, obviously things will grow stale and you're always changing and learning too, I'm sure. So stagnation is kind of the enemy here. So if you think about how far we've come, we've talked about the premise and providing motivation to subscribe. We've talked about the experience and providing motivation to stay. We've talked about connecting more deeply to earn trust and love. A lot of this goes out the window if you just don't refresh the show ever. So are there any things you're working on, thinking about, or hoping to try to keep this show fresh over time? Yeah, the vision for Resilient Retail is so incredibly massive. It's hard to even put into words. It is by no means just a podcast. Season one, it might be just a podcast and a video series, but we are, you know, we're staffing a team of writers. We're going to build a newsletter. It's going to be an entire platform. There's going to be, you know, we're doing this workshop for the first time on November 20th. That stuff that we're just going to keep giving them more and more. Ideally, Resilient Retail is an entire environment for retailers to come and learn to get inspiration, to connect with each other, and to connect with us on the other side of Shopify. And, and so that's the premise of the whole show. Now, within season one, we've already done some exciting things. Uh, just this week is actually, we normally have two episodes a week. This week, we have four, and two of them are fully focused on Denver merchants. So one of them is a deep dive with a very well-known Denver merchant. The one coming out on Friday is kind of a mashup of four different interviews. So we are, we're constantly testing little different things. So yeah, we keep saying the goal of season one is to find signal. What really that means is the goal of season one is to figure out who our audience is, what they love, what they want, and how they're going to engage with us. So awesome. we're constantly testing that. But yeah, the uh, five years from now is going to be insane, y'all. It's going to be insane. <laughs> Kristen, this was great. A lot of shows send swag. Some shows send their guests little note cards. What we do is we give a donation in your honor to No Kid Hungry uh, because right now, especially, way too many children are food insecure. Way too many families are food insecure in the United States. So we're going to give a donation in your name as a way of saying thank you for coming on and thank you for the work that you do, uh, not only for podcasters, but also obviously for all the retailers that you're serving with that great platform. So Kristen, thanks. Thank you so much. That is such a beautiful initiative you guys have. And this is so much fun. We got to do it more often. Oh, you'll be back. Oh, we'll be back. Thank you so much for listening. Every time you do, you're supporting an independent show built by independent creators. This episode was produced by Cherie Turner. Original theme music by Cardboard Rocket Chip, an independent folk band in New York City. Check out Cardboard Rocket Chip on Spotify. Big thanks to our presenting sponsor, Wistia. You can explore their tools for podcasters and video marketers at wistia.com. Or you can watch several of their original series or listen to them. They have video shows and podcasts all about building modern, more human-centric brands. That's at wistia.com slash series. Lastly, you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter called Playing Favorites. And every week, I try to write one new idea about making your audience's favorite stuff. That's the goal of our work. I also share a roundup of other good things, three to be precise, episodes of this show, and some behind-the-scenes and bonus exclusives, like discounts to the products that we create to teach podcasters and showrunners how to make great stuff. You can subscribe at marketingshowrunners.com or for all of this stuff, Check the links in your show notes. And now, as always, our bonus segment. Every single episode, we ask a guest 
what is a show you'd like to show some love for? That's kind of hard to say. Show some love for. Because they're not at the top of the charts, but they're out there doing the hard work of making a great show. We call this segment Play It Forward. Uh, all right, Chris, what is your Play It Forward podcast? Yes, I got to give a shout out to the Modern Attention podcast by Converse Smart. They are bringing together makers in the DTC industries to tell their stories about how they connect with customers. I love it so much. David Hoos is the host, a really good friend of mine. He is focused not just on you know, the tips of these experts, but they're actually getting them to tell their personal stories so he can tap into how do these marketers think? How do they actually work to provide that for the audience? So I just recorded with them not too long ago. It was just a really fun podcast. I loved his questions. I love the approach. So go check them out. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm Jay Akunzo. And as always, I believe this work you and I do is not about who arrives. It's all about who stays. So thanks for staying with me. And I'll talk to you every other Monday with a brand new episode of Three Clips. See ya.